Hello, and welcome to We Live for Saturday, your favorite college football podcast. I'm your co-host, Mike, and with me is your other co-host, John. John, how are you doing today? Doing good, doing good. Enjoyed yesterday. It was a crazy slate of games. Um, just had a lot of fun. My team won, our team won, so I'm happy about that. They did some things right. Still things to work on, but we'll get to that later. Yeah, it was a great week two slate. I thought we saw a lot of the improvements that we are looking to see from teams across the Big Ten we saw. And then there were a couple games that didn't go quite as well, and we'll get into those too. Yep. Awesome. But first of all, we wanted to talk about the situation at Michigan State. Uh, Mel Tucker has been fired as head coach of the Michigan State Spartans. Um, he is accused of sexual misconduct, uh, which he perpetrated allegedly on uh, a survivor of sexual assault herself. So we're not going to get into all of the gory details, um, but obviously it's a terrible situation. You know, that kind of conduct has no place in college football or society in general. And, you know, we, you know, we, we wish the best for everyone at Michigan state who's left there and, and the survivor, especially. Yeah, man. I mean, it's a, it's a sad state of affairs whenever you hear about stuff like this and, you know, it's, we just got done, you know, for the most part, hearing about one controversy, one issue at Northwestern and now moving on to this and it's just, uh, yeah, um, nothing that needs to be there. Um, you know, everyone in society in general, yes, but, you know, at these institutions should feel safe and, um, it's just not, not good coach conduct. There's just no place for any of that, no matter what, how you look at it. So yeah, I, I feel, I feel for the players. I feel bad for the survivor, everyone else involved, um, who's going to be negatively impacted by this, um, for the short term and the long term. Um, you know, we'll, we'll keep track of it, see how, uh, it continues to progress from here on out. Yeah. And this can be, you know, triggering for survivors. So we wish the best for all the survivors out there. Mm -hmm. Um, in such in such a terrible situation so um we'll move on with that we'll move on to football and as we continue to define our podcast for you the listener we want to say that one of the things that differentiates us from most college football podcasts is that we are equally interested in all of the teams in the big 10 not just ohio state michigan and penn state it's not that we're not interested. We are interested in those schools, but we're interested in the Big Ten as a whole. And I think that's what's going to come across as you continue to listen to this podcast. Yeah, I mean, we love the Big Ten as a whole and all teams in our eyes, you know, are are equal in many ways. Um, and so we want to we want to pay attention. We want to honor that history. We want to, you know, that's that's kind of what the the conference stands for in a lot of ways is is that that equality and that that attention to to each um, individual institution. So we want to do that. You know, I, we there will be weeks where you know, like this week in particular, where we may not spend a ton of time on Penn State, Ohio State, and Michigan because well, there's not a lot to say when you got blowout wins and just dominant performances. Um, but we will cover it. Um, and, you know, that could be said for, you know, any team. So, but please don't take offense. We love you all and we'll keep covering everyone. Absolutely. Couldn't have said it better myself. All right, John, should we get into it? Let's do it. All right. We are going to take the games in roughly the order that they were played. 
So we'll start out with the Friday night games. The Indiana Hoosiers, 41. The Indiana State Sycamores, 7. Total yards for this game, Indiana had 558 yard yards, and Indiana State had just 93 yards for the game. The Hoosiers went 27 for 37 with 344 yards passing and 9.3 yards per attempt. They also had 214 yards rushing at a healthy just over five yards a rush. Um, honestly, the only real negative for Indiana, John, in this whole game was that they committed seven penalties, including some dumb ones. Yep. But what did you think of this game? Yeah, I, I you know, talking about another team that isn't Penn State, Ohio State, or Michigan here that we're probably not not a lot to say really, um, because it was just a dominant win. Um, you know, other than those penalties, yeah, I mean, Tavon Jackson sure looks like the starter. He looked good out there. Um, you know, Lucas though is he's a real offensive threat, man. I mean, he's so fast, he's dynamic, he can run, catch the ball, he can pretty much do everything. So he's always a threat near the ball. Um, but, you know, this was this was Indiana State. Uh, you know, this was this game went the way we thought it should have gone. Um, and it just wasn't hard to move the ball on them in any any facet. Um, the only thing uh, let's see. Oh, yeah, they but they did have a recovered fumble that went for a touchdown. So, you know, good on you. Good on you, Sycamores. Yes, Indiana State's only score was on defense, which sort of illustrates the fact that um, it was a dominant performance by the Indiana Hoosiers, both offensively and defensively. Taven Jackson got his first career start, and he certainly looks like your QB1 at Indiana. He was 18 for 21 for 236 yards, and he, let's be frank, John, he outplayed the other QB, Brandon Soresby. Yes, Um, he did. Yeah. Tom Allen wouldn't name a starter post game, but he did hint it's about time to make a decision on the starting QB. Mm-hmm. And I think it's clear to anybody who watched the game that Jackson is the guy. He was dynamic. He's he's agile. He was accurate. Um, he made pretty good decisions. You know, I thought it was a really impressive performance from a guy in his first collegiate start. Absolutely. I mean, he looked comfortable in the pocket. He was able to move pretty well. Um, and, you know, Soresby. He had he had, he had a, one pretty long good pass that that went uh, went for pretty good yardage. But um, overall, though, he just doesn't look like the guy. He 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 looks a little bit more. He just doesn't look sure of himself. He's not mm-hmm. as accurate, and he's just not as much of an athlete. You know, I, I think what you when you're working with Taven Jackson and you're playing in the Big Ten East, you know, you need a guy that's dynamic, and yeah. that looks like it's going to be Jackson. Yep, I agree. And to get back to your Jalen Lucas praise, he had 10 carries for 88 yards with two TDs, and he also caught four passes. Now, I'm going to pat myself on the back just a tiny bit because I did. I was calling for Lucas to get 15-plus touches this game, and he got 14, which was which was more than enough for them Damn in this close. one. I was yeah. happy to say that. Let's also give a shout-out to Omar Cooper Jr., who had a 100-yard receiving game. Um, obviously the defense was fantastic, mm-hmm. held ISU to under a hundred yards, which is impressive against any, I don't care who you're playing. Yes. That's, that's an impressive showing. Absolutely. Uh, and, uh, let's give a shout out. Philip Dunham had eight tackles yesterday, including seven solo. Well, Andre Carter had two tackles for loss and one sack. Um, so great performance. The one, one issue that I'm a little worried about coming out of this game is top IU wide receiver Cam Camper left during the uh, game with an injury. So we really hope he's okay. You know, he's a dynamic player and Indiana is really going to need him this year. 
Yeah, they're going to need everybody. Obviously, playing in the Big Ten East is just not easy for anyone, and especially you know the way Indiana has been. But I think you know Tom Allen is a is a good coach, and I think he's put together a pretty pretty decent squad here. And you know, giving Jackson giving Jackson a little bit more time to mature, um, I think mm-hmm. it's just they'll continue to look good. And and you know, who knows. Yeah, so far, Indiana has exceeded my expectations. They exceeded them last week and they exceeded them this week. So I'm hoping, you know, IU that the arrows point in the right direction. Uh, We hope they can keep it going. So we've got up next is a neutral site game against Louisville at Lucas Oil Stadium in Indianapolis. John, when we come to the subject of a neutral site game, all I have to say is that I hate neutral site games. I despise them. They take away all that's beautiful and sacred about college football, the having it on campus and having the bands and the student section and all of the things that make college football college football. When you have a neutral site game, you just take them away and you might as well be in the NFL. I agree wholeheartedly. I can't stand it. It takes the soul out of the out of everything. And I, you know, I, I get that it's cool. And, you know, I'm sure the players think it's really cool. And some of the fans do. But I'm with you, man. You know, give me old school tradition every single Saturday. I just think have fun in Lucas Oil next week. But that game would have been a lot more fun in Bloomington as far as I'm concerned. Totally with you. All right. Let's move on to the next game, shall we? We have the Kansas Jayhawks 34. The Illinois Illini 23. Kansas had 539 yards to Illinois' 341. Kansas had 277 passing yards to Illinois' 202. Um, Kansas had a robust 9.6 yards per attempt, while Illinois had a more pedestrian 7.2 yards per attempt on their passes. And each team ran the ball fairly well, as Illinois had five yards per rush, while Kansas had six yards per rush. Uh, and they both turned it over a couple times. John, this game did not go at all the way either of us expected. What no. are your initial thoughts on this game? I I was really high on on this team. You know, I bought into a lot of the hype that we've been hearing about leading up to the season, and I really believed in Bielema. And I'm surprised, honestly, that it was didn't go better. Um, and it wasn't that. They just didn't. They they really just didn't look very competitive the entire game, man. I mean, the the, no. the main highlight was Altmaier with that seventy five yard uh, yard TD run. But yep. like, it, other than that, though, it was brutal to watch. I know you know they were able to put twenty three points on the board, but Kansas ran that game from beginning to end. They you know they Neil and Highshaw Jr. were incredible i think you know, to some you know pro- could be you know top five best you know tandem running back in in the in the country and jalen daniels just you know, flat out embarrassed them you know on the ground and through the air dude it was crazy so yeah yeah jalen daniels was sensational 280 yards two touchdowns did pretty much whatever he wanted out there yep and daniel Haisha was as you said effective on the ground with 98 rushing yards and a td um john kansas had nearly 300 yards of offense in the first half. <sighs> what is going on with this Illini defense? Well, and what and for, hold on, hold on. First of all, let me let me put this in perspective. For those of you who didn't see the game, the Illini trailed 34 to 7 before they scored a couple TDs late. Mm. So, this the score is not indicative of how bad this game was for much of the game. 
what is going on at both on, on the D and offensive lines? Like what yeah. is happening at the line of scrimmage, dude? I mean, they're getting beat every play. It's rough. I, I mean, I'm looking at, I, I thought like Johnny Newton and Keith Randolph were all Americans and yeah. they seemed like they're invisible. And what happened to the veteran linebackers like Tariq Barnes and Calvin mm-hmm. Hart and this new look secondary, man, it's they're missing their NFL guys. Absolutely. I mean, Newton got to the quarterback, I think, what, twice? I think he got two sacks that I saw. Maybe, maybe there's a third, but I know at least twice. But like, but still, it was it was a poor showing on the line of scrimmage. They could not get anything going that, you know, Altmaier had no time in the pocket. There was no running lanes. It, you know, the can't, the defense sacked him six times and he had two interceptions. I mean, it was, it was brutal, dude. They were backbreaking interceptions too. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Kansas just dominated that game from start to finish. Yeah. Altmaier's stat line didn't look too bad. 1928, 200 yards and a TD, but those two interceptions were bad. And Mm -hmm. it just seemed this offense was just so disjointed. Yeah, it didn't seem like they couldn't. And it's like you said, Illinois, you know, Brett Bielema teams win by winning up front. Yep. And Illinois is losing up front right now. Big time. Yeah. Same problem as last week, you know, and now you're playing a superior team in Kansas. Not not I would not be optimistic if I were an Illini fan right now. No, I mean, they've got some things to figure out. And unfortunately, they their next game is against number seven Penn State. <laughs> they so, got no time to figure things out. So they've got they've got to play the team in the Big Ten that is playing the best football in the Big Ten right now <laughs> next yep. week. So Illinois, you know, I mean, Bielema's a great coach. I do think they have some nice pieces. I'm not ready to I'm not ready to throw away the season for the Illini yet. No, no. Um, but it is safe to say they've been arguably our most disappointing team of the year so far. Yeah. Absolutely. For me, yep. for sure. Yeah. Um, oh, I've also forgot to say Indiana with the win got to one and one and now Penn State or sorry, uh, Illinois with the loss drops to one and one. Yeah. Yeah, it's going to be it, they got little time to get things right for next week against Penn State. Um, I'm not seeing it happen, but I guess what could possibly be an improvement is if you see the line of scrimmage, just get a little better. You know, I'm not expecting yeah. to win, but that's what I'm hoping to see. Yeah, it does seem like a long ways away from the Illini team who took Michigan to the wire last year. Yep. And it's wonders, does Bielema have some magic? But maybe he's got some magic, you know? He tends to pull it out at the weirdest times. So <laughs> yes, I does. won't be I won't be at all surprised if they go in there and make it a game next week, but I also won't be surprised if, you know, if Penn State it's okay now we're reviewing next week's games we gotta get let's not get ahead of ourselves we're so excited people that we have a hard time not just going to the next thing but this is a review podcast not a preview podcast so we will uh we will move on to the next game sounds good all right the michigan wolverines 35 the unlv rebels 7 total yards michigan 492 unlv 229 Uh, Michigan had 313 yards passing at a staggering 11.2 yards per attempt. That'll get the job done, John. (laughs) Um, Michigan ran for 179 yards at 5.4 yards per rush, which is an improvement in the running game. And that's what we wanted to see this week. So it was good to see that from them. 
JJ McCarthy, man, though, 22 for 25, 278 yards, two TDs, another masterful performance. He completed his first 13 passes in a row. Wow. And all right, get ready for this. Through two games, JJ McCarthy is completing 87% of his passes. Wow. 87%. Jesus. It's, I mean, it's, it's eye popping. That guy is playing like a dude who wants an invitation in New York for the um, Heisman Trophy ceremony. Oh, absolutely. Is what he's playing like. Absolutely. I mean, he, again, I mean, and we expected him to look good, but it's, it's just, he's making everything look really easy. Now, again, yes, this was UNLV, but still, I mean, that's that complete completion percentage is insane for anybody. I don't care who you are. And I mean, that's hard just in practice when yeah, nobody's covering you. Exactly. <laughs> you know, but it, to complete 87% against a real live defense, that's, <laughs> I mean, that's something else. Yeah. Uh, but he, yeah, man, I mean, and like, and not only is he accurate through the air, like, but like the guy can freaking run the ball, he can improvise yep. and holy cow, he's got a freaking cannon, man. I mean, he rifles mm-hmm. that in there and you can hear the impact of the ball. It's crazy, you know, but yeah. what, but moving, you know, what we were talking about la- of what we wanted to see though, is like the O-line looked a lot better. Corum mm-hmm. looks confident, which is great to see. He did um, 80 yards and just 15 carries with three TDs. Yeah. Yeah, he he looked good, man. You know that this is what we were expecting to see or hoping to see, and and it looks like he's feeling a little bit, you know, less shaky about uh, you know his previous injury. So it's good to see that, man. Um, yeah, and, absolutely. Yeah, and it was nice line. to see another big game from Roman Wilson as well, a guy who's had health issues in the past. He had 89 yards receiving and two TDs, mm-hmm. so that was impressive as well. And then you know the Michigan defense, you know, held UNLV down, didn't allow them to do much. Yeah. Um, they their had, DNs, man. Those DNs are fast. Yes, yes, Super they are. Scary. Mm-hmm. Michigan's always got them, does don't they? Always, man. Seems it's- like you know, ever since Hutchinson, they they've always got some guys, that, some mm-hmm. just absolute dudes there. Question for you though how I how many schools has Tuttle been to now? How many how many schools has he played for at this point in time? Is, is this his second school or is this his third? I can't. Remember. I don't. I don't actually know. I like forgot that he was he was on the team. My bad. Right. <laughs> I funny. saw him come out there and he ran. He actually ran a pretty good option and he he looked pretty good. I mean, he got knocked out, knocked around, uh, off you know, um, on the sidelines, but yeah, he looked all right. Sure. That's fun. It's in the transfer portal era. We find friends in strange places. Yeah. All right, up next for Michigan is Bowling Green. So it's safe to say we're not going to know anything about Michigan until they play Nebraska or Minnesota. At that point, maybe we learn a little bit about yeah. where Michigan's at. I mean, at least they should be playing a defense that's got, you know, more of a pulse. So that'll be yeah. good. Yeah. But in the meantime, we're not going to know anything about Michigan, at least for at least a few more weeks. And, you know, we'll see how that how that goes. Yeah. All right. Moving right along. Next game, we had the Ohio State Buckeyes 35. Um, Youngstown State Penguins 7. Penguin. Total yards, Ohio State 482 to Youngstown State's 234. Kyle McCord went 14 of 20 for 258 yards and three TDs and what I thought was a solid performance. Yeah. Uh, Devin Brown was 7 for 13 for 101 yards in relief. So... Uh, Kyle McCord continues to look like he is the starter. And I think we're just going to start referring to him as the starter and not, not, it doesn't seem like there's really a competition at this point. 
Yeah, I mean, McCord looked good. He really did. Uh, and he's he really let it fly. Uh, Harrison Jr., I mean, was just all over the place. He and, and McCord was just throwing, you know, multiple targets the entire game. And he's got a cannon, man. I mean, that guy can throw a deep ball. And it was and it was accurate. And so he looked like he needed that first game to kind of just like to get, you know, shake out the cobwebs and get those jitters out of the way. And he yeah, man, I mean, he looks like the starter for sure. Yeah, he he looked much more comfortable this week. Yeah. And he looked like he was in command and he looked, you know, a little bit deer in the headlights ish last week. And yeah, as you say, he 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 got the jitters out and he looked a lot more comfortable today. Mm-hmm. And Marvin Harrison, man, 160 yards receiving two TDs, including a 71 yarder. Yep. That is that is some explosive offense, mm-hmm. which is what you um, wanted to see. This is what we yep. expected. Yep, absolutely. Um, Buckeye defense was dominant. Tommy Eichenberg had six tackles, including a sack. Denzel Burke recorded an interception. Um, I will say Youngstown State was actually in this game for a minute. Mm-hmm. They tied the game 7-7 with an 11-play, 75-yard drive. But after that, it was all Buckeyes. Yeah, it was kind of weird at the beginning. You know, the defense looked a little shaky too, like a, against this inferior opponent. And I was, it's, it's a little strange, you know, but again, you know, early in the season, second game of the season, I expect them to get their stuff together as well. Um, because yeah, I mean, then once, once they seem to, to gel, everything just kind of took off for them. So but it just kind of took a little longer than I would have thought, but I yep. wouldn't be worried. No, sir. All right, up next, Ohio State hosts Western Kentucky next week. So we will continue to see not a lot. We'll continue to see some gaudy stats, I think. That's what yes. we'll continue to see. Yep. <laughs> but once that Notre Dame game comes up. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's going to be that's gonna be a great game. Yeah, absolutely. Cannot wait for that. All right, moving right along. Oh, I said that twice. Okay, moving to the next game. <laughs> Penn State Nittany Lions 63, the Delaware Blue Hens 7. Total yards, Penn State at 541, Delaware's 140. Uh, Penn State had 226 rushing yards, or sorry, 226 passing yards and 315 rushing, so it was a very balanced attack. Mm-hmm. Um, they averaged 7.3 yards per attempt and 5.3 yards per rush, so the passing game wasn't explosive, but it was surgical. And their defense was dominant all game and forced two turnovers. Drew yeah. Lar finished 22 for 26 for 204 yards and a TD. So like we said, not explosive, but efficient statistically. And yeah, John, what do you think about this game? Yeah, it looked like they were just trying out some new stuff. They were just uh, they were like, you know, we're we're going to we're going to try to incorporate our tight ends and really just to make sure we got our run game going. It was and and they, you know, they got their running backs, not just you know, they got them involved in the pass game as well. Uh, Katron Allen had a great game. Um, yes, he did. And, you know, by the end of this, uh, the end of the game, you know, even Potts got some carries and he looked pretty good. You know, again, these are the blue hens. Um, but still, I, like we said, um, on the preview, this was going to be just a chance for them to kind of get everybody involved as many players as possible and see how their backups do Yeah, and get some experience. Yep, it was. The highlight of the game for Delaware came on a 66-yard TD run by Marcus Yarns, though other than that, it was pretty tough sledding. Mm-hmm. Um, the defense, let's give a shout-out for Penn State. Zane Durant at four tackles, including a sack and a half tackle for loss. And Dominic DeLuca had a pick six. Yep. So 
Penn State visits Illinois Saturday, and I don't know about you, John. I'm excited to get back into conference play and and see if the you know Penn State has been so good, yeah. and Illinois you know has frankly struggled. You know, does do, does it come back to the mean this week? Does does the Illinois play a little better and Penn State a little worse, or is Penn State just gonna you know torch them? So that'll be an interesting game to see. Yeah, I'm always more excited. Like, I mean, I enjoy the non-con, but I love it when conference play starts. Yeah, conference play is is the best, and uh, we always get excited for those conference games. For sure. All right, going to the next game. The Washington State Cougars 31, the Wisconsin Badgers 22. This is John gets to crow a little bit about this one because I picked Wisconsin <laughs> to win, and he picked Washington State. So congratulations on that, John. Thank Good you. Work. Um, the total yards for Washington had 332, Wisconsin had 368. So it was extremely even yards wise, um, but it was not a very even game. Both teams threw it fairly well. Neither team could really run the ball. Um, you know, Wazoo had just 3.1 yards per rush. Wisconsin had just two point. Wisconsin had 2.3 yards per rush. Dude. And then the Badgers turned it over three times, which really hurt their chances because Wazoo didn't turn it over at all. John, this was this game shocked me. Well, here's the thing. And I, and I said this, I think we touched on this last time, and I'm not going to I'm going to start. I'm going to start with this. This is most definitely not a Jim Leonard defense. Now, we knew that, but this <laughs> is like very obvious and it was they had they had trouble getting you know getting to cam ward not that that's easy he's squirrely as hell um you know but like he had time in the ward had time in the pocket he was spreading it all over the field the secondary got burned a lot in the first half i mean Mm -hmm. it was messy and 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 ward was making it look easy you know uh, over the top on the outside over the middle you know to the flats i mean it was it was go- he was doing whatever he wanted in the first he's half. such an athlete man he is oh, hard to yeah. i mean he's hard to contain well and wazoo was playing i mean they even said it during the game you know it's they they were going in there with this mentality of us against the world yeah it was apparent you know they they gave up a little bit in the third quarter and you know mordecai kind of took over and he looked good mordecai actually looked pretty good this game and yeah and you know I, he protected the ball he had some great passes you know but like they could not establish that run game which was a surprise to me and this is where i'm also concerned about that offensive line wait didn't he lose two fumbles yes okay so he didn't protect the ball well he protected it through the air. Let's put it that way. <laughs> right. I'm just saying, though, this continues to be like, yes, he yes. threw the ball very well. 24 for 40, 278 and a TD. Yeah. But two fumbles lost, man. You're the quarterback. That's true. Yeah. It's, that's that's a ball. Sec- he he's, continues to have ball security issues every it happened. We had reports of it in the spring in the spring game, you know, at his old school. And now it's come out and it's come out this year again. Yeah. And that's something they really have to solve. Oh, yeah. It's before they get into conference play. Well, and they can't. Mordecai isn't good enough to for just him alone to win them games. He's just not. No, you need that. You need Malusi and Allen to step up. But, you know, for them to do anything. I mean, I'm sorry. Allen 
just looks like he's taken a step back. You know, he's he's not 17 anymore. So, you know, once you get older, I guess it, you maybe that's a little more difficult. He, but, you know. uh, is he banged up or something? Because am I crazy or does he look slower? He looks slow. I don't know. Okay. I, I mean, you know, I know he 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 has played played it safe when he has been injured in the past. Mm-hmm. But I, I don't know. I mean, he looks scared and and, you know, I don't know. I'm not entirely sure. Malusi, though, I think actually looks the best out of the two, you know, especially with this new system. But neither of them looked really good in this game. Uh, Washington yeah. State was shutting him down for sure. Although it is worth noting that Wisconsin had scored 16 straight and was driving with a chance to take a lead in the fourth quarter when Ches Malusi fumbled. Mm-hmm. So it's I mean, that's the thing. Wisconsin has been known historically for running the ball and for running the ball, playing defense and taking care of the ball. And they couldn't run the ball. They didn't take care of the ball. And the defense is not, I mean, it's not, it's, I'm not saying it wasn't, it is just not, you're right at the level of a Jim Leonard unit. I mean, this is, we, we're used to Wisconsin being a top five or 10 defense in the country every single season. Yeah. So we're not saying they're like terrible or anything, No. but um, this is not, you know, we expect excellence from the Wisconsin defense and this is not as excellence. They look like they miss Keanu Benton and Nick Herbig, honestly. Big time, man. Yeah. There's there. I'm not seeing anyone, any like of those like major, just stud standout players. There's good players. Yeah. There's good yep. guys on that team, but nobody is like just fully taking control on the defensive side of that ball. Yeah. Um, so with the loss, Wisconsin moves to one and one. Mm-hmm. All right. Yeah. Going on to the next game, then. We had the Colorado Buffaloes 36, the Nebraska Cornhuskers 14. Total yards, Colorado at 454 to Nebraska's 341. Um, John, the good news is that Colorado couldn't run the ball. The bad news is they had nearly 400 yards passing to make up for it. Um, here's what I here's like the very first. I don't have a lot of notes on this game I, I, because there's just oh, there's only very few things that we can talk about here. And they're all kind of leading towards one person here. And my first note is, yeah, Jeff Sims and then all caps. Why? I mean, Boy, he was bad, <laughs> dude. I, I I don't I I have never seen anyone like at least and in, in, not in recent memory, like with so many turnovers and not just like throwing interceptions like the guy can't can barely hand off the ball sometimes, man. And the he sna- fumbled can't two snaps. snaps. Yeah. And the two sna- snaps and they weren't bad snaps. No, it's him. Uh- they're right to him. It is all him. Yeah. I mean, and why, why rule won't put just for me, like just put in the backups, man. Like anything has to be better than this. This is awful. Yeah. But we don't see them in practice every day, John. Maybe it's not better than this. Oh God. That's true. Maybe this is as good. I mean, rule hitched his wagon to jet. First of all, Sims was, he lost two fumbles and an interception in the first half. He also botched a handoff at one point. He was nine of 15 for 106 yards. So he threw, you know, had those turnovers on. It wasn't even, he's not even throwing that many passes to turn the ball over this much as he is. So their game plan is still protecting him and he's still turning it over this much. 
You know, it's not like they're it's not like they're asking him to go out there and throw it forty or fifty times a game, yeah, and he's turning yeah. it over a few times, right? Yep. It's like you 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 have fifteen passes and you still turned it over that many times. I don't even I don't even know how that happens. <laughs> I don't either. And you know, the thing is, is like uh, the only thing that seemed to work every one, and even this not not super successful, but like. I think uh, it was like Danny Cannell, like, like said, you know, like they might as well be running the triple option again. And, you know, I can't disagree. John, what did we say in the preview of the show? Yeah. We said that Nebraska needed to run the ball almost all of the time against Colorado. And you know what? When they ran the ball, they were effective. They had a, they had 222 yards rushing at 5.4 yards per rush. It was a mystery to me as to why Nebraska didn't run the ball more in this game. They had the ability to do it, but they kept throwing passes on key early downs. Yeah, it was bizarre. And I was just like, you know, your quarterback has turnover and accuracy issues and you can, you know, you're playing an opponent that you can run against. Mm -hmm. What are you doing? Not just lining up and pounding the ball. I, I don't understand it. Well, this is, and this is something I think you and I have some experience with. Yeah, because this is a Sanford Junior type of situation. I am looking at Satterfield, and I think you know is he is he the problem here? I mean, obviously Sims is a is a problem, but like you as the offensive coordinator should know better and and yes. adjust accordingly. And he's not he's not calling the plays to support his personnel. If he had, I really think if Nebraska had come out and just pounded the ball all day on Saturday, I think we had, would look at a very different, I think still think Colorado wins. Yeah. But I think it's a very different game. I, I think Nebraska is a lot more competitive yeah. because those two early turnovers from Sims led directly to Colorado's first 10 points. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man, it was ugly. And you know, and the defense looked good, but like you, they can't keep bailing out the offense. Like eventually something you get tired. Go. Yep. Yeah. I mean, the Nebraska D forced punts on Colorado's first four drives, Yeah. but then the uh, offense wasn't doing anything. And then the Colorado offense got in a rhythm and scored on seven of eight possessions to put the game out of reach. You can only do so much, man. If your offense won't help you out, like eventually there's nothing you can do. And that secondary, the Nebraska secondary was was fantastic, dude. Like they really kept Sanders in check quite a bit, you know, a, a lot of the game, most of the game, I'd say, you know, from he kept him from making bigger plays, obviously some squeak through, but they look good, dude. And, and it sucks. Nebraska, the Nebraska D is good, but you yeah. can't you cannot yep. keep playing defense all day when people when you're not getting any help. Yep. Eventually something gives and it it's and when it, you know, and especially when you're it's demoralizing for a defense playing their hearts out when the offense just gives the other team the ball in a position to score. Yeah, it's heartbreaking. It's tough. Yeah, demoralizing for them. And like and obviously the fan base recognizes it, too. And let me just say, man, I I feel that pain when you're dealing with a with an OC like that. And it's. You just hope Rule can uh, make a call at some point, or uh, I guess hope it gets better. But we'll see. Rule hitched his wagon to the wrong quarterback. Yeah, I still can't believe he chased Casey Thompson out of town. I'm not saying Thompson was not a perfect player, and he's not the running threat that Sims is. But man, he could sling the rock a little bit. Yep, he made yeah. better better decisions. He could definitely he he threw a better ball. Like I I'm I'm a little confused at that one too. Yeah. Oh. All right. Well, with the loss, Nebraska drops to 0-2. All right. Next up, 
the Purdue Boilermakers 27, or excuse me, 24, the Virginia Tech Hokies 17. Um, the total yards, Purdue at 427, to Virginia Tech's 286. Hudson Card went 23 for 34 for 248 yards and two turnovers. John, this game was defined by a nearly six-hour delay caused by thunderstorms and heavy rainfall. What are your thoughts on this game? I, yeah, I think... I think Purdue did a good job. I think they, mm-hmm. they showed up card looked solid. Um, he's got great pocket awareness, you know, they're, oh, run, yeah. you know, at the beginning of the game, it took their run blocking to kind of get going to get, to open it up for Maccabee, but they did. Um, and he was able to make things happen, you know, even when they, when the holes weren't there and, you know, they, the only thing I kind of saw every once in a while is the O line just has a little bit of trouble every once in a while protecting card, you know, but mm-hmm. you know, I, Vatek was able to adjust. And so I guess that just, you know, they were, they were able to kind of figure that out, but overall I think card looked great. He's more mobile than what you think, but he's got yep. amazing awareness. So he knows where that pressure is coming from at all times. So he's, 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 he's solid. He's a great transfer. They really, they did a good job there, but um, you know, defensively for a while they had, a, they had a hard time, you know, wells and the wells and lane connection was solid. You know, lane is lanes, a great, great option and, and was able mm-hmm. to, to burn that that secondary on a few occasions, um, you know, I did see Purdue on the on the defensive side. They did for at the beginning. They had some some of the similar issues of the Fresno State game, and in that secondary, and they were they were getting kind of picked apart a little bit. Um, but by the second half, they adjusted accordingly, and they were starting to look solid. So they're, they're I mean, solid. yeah, they held Virginia Tech under 300 yards, which yeah. is pretty solid. Yeah, they look they look good, man. Just a solid yeah. performance. I. I you know, nothing flashy, just nope. good, solid football. Yep. Nick Scourton had five tackles, including a sack and three and a half tackles for loss. And Cam Allen, Dylan Thieneman recorded interceptions. Um, my biggest thing with this game is that it's extremely hard to focus to play the game of football for any amount of time. It takes an enormous amount of focus and being in the zone and being warmed up the right way and you know, being in the right mindset and all that kind of stuff. So the fact that they had such a delay and, you know, you could come out after a delay like that and not be ready to play, mm-hmm. you know, easily. So the fact that Purdue stayed focused and got the win, which was a win that they needed to get, I thought was really impressive. Yeah, I, I think so too. And, and um, they just took care of business in Blacksburg and that's not easy for anybody. Yep. Absolutely. Um, yeah. So, you know, Virginia Tech isn't super good or anything, but it was encouraging to see Purdue do what, what they did. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> All right. Um, w- with the win, Purdue moves to one and one, I believe. Yep. All right. Moving on to the next game. We have an in-state rivalry, a lot of bad blood. The Iowa Hawkeyes, 20. The Iowa State Cyclones, 13. Total yards was very indicative of what we expect from this series. <laughs> Iowa had 235 yards, and Iowa State had 290. So not a ton of offense in this game. Um, Hawkeyes had 123 yards passing and 112 rushing on 3.9 yards per rush. Cade McNamara was 12 for 22 for 123 yards and one interception. It was not a strong day for the Iowa offense, but one bright spot was uh, 
uh, Patterson, who had 86 yards rushing on 10 carries, including a 59-yard gain. Yeah. Um, that said, the Iowa defense was fantastic. Cooper DeGene had 10 tackles, including half a tackle for loss. Ethan Burkett had five tackles and two tackles for loss. Um, they really showed out. John, what are your thoughts about this game? Yeah, um, they look good. You know, I, I do still feel like Cade's injury is still keeping him from making some better throws. He just yeah. he looks like he's just like a little off balance or something is just bugging him a little bit. And that may be, you know, he may have to be dealing with that all season. We don't really know. Um, you know, they definitely had some issues at some point stalling out in the red zone. But, you know, and they but they were, you know, as per usual for Iowa targeting the tight ends and Lachey got a ton of targets and but yep. the run game and the offensive line looked much better than they did last week. And uh, it, so that was good to see um, But the D on the defense I have. And maybe it's just me. I, I want to know what your thoughts are. And, and of course the defense is lights out. They look great. Yeah. But I feel like they're not as elite as last year. Like they, the secondary looks great, but just not, quite as great by like the smallest mar of margins. Yeah. I mean, I think a lot of it comes down to, they don't have Jack Campbell. Yeah. Jack Campbell was the best player on the field all the time in just about every game. Yep. I mean, that guy was an all American. He was a absolute rock star. So the Iowa defense is still very formidable. Absolutely. But I agree with you. There may be a, just a quarter step, you mm -hmm. know, away from sort of peak Iowa defense, but yeah, you know, we're splitting hairs for, here, folks. We're still talking about like a top line defense. So we're Absolutely. not. Um, it's it's a really it's a yeah, it's a really strong unit. And speaking of strong units, Iowa, another big special teams day. They had <laughs> they went two for two on field goals and Tory Taylor averaged 40 over 46 yards on six punts. That dude is probably the best punter in the country. What's that like? I I don't know, man. I don't know what it's like to have a punter who can just kick it to outer space whenever What's it like he wants to. Have to special teams in general. I I don't I don't know. I I'd love to know that one day. Yeah, <laughs> but um, I think we have to come around to it though. What's mm -hmm. What's wrong with the Iowa offense exactly? Because we had again, we again came short of that twenty five point mark. Yeah, of what they're supposed to do each week. So they've come, they've fallen short the first two games now, and. You know, 235 yards, that's not much offense. And I know it was a tough rivalry game, and Iowa State was really, you know, it was really hyped up for the game, and they played hard. But I just, is it just the Cade McNamara injury, or is it the lack of playmakers at wide receiver? Like, what is what is it that they have to figure out, do you think, for their offense to take a step forward? Well, from what I'm seeing, you know, a lot on Twitter, and this is, you know, of course, coming from Iowa fans. So uh, this would be what I would say as well, is that, you know, if, if Cade were fully healthy, you know, he'd have a lot more mobility and therefore there'd be a lot more threats. Uh, uh, and and I think would open up the the deep pass a little bit more than what it is right now. Um, and I, you know, sure. I can't really argue too much against that right now. I think you can still see him um, just moving a little slower than he normally would. So. Uh, that could be part of it, but yeah, I mean, their wide receivers aren't showing me anything special at this point in time either. No, nope. All right. Well, with the win, Iowa moves to two and zero. Let's move on to our next game. Got the Michigan State Spartans forty-five, the Richmond Spiders fourteen. 
Total yards, Michigan State, 465 to Richmond, 193. Uh, Sparty had 162 yards rushing and 4.3 yards per rush, which is not terrible, but given the competition, I would have expected a little better than that. Mm -hmm. Um, However, conversely, Noah Kim was fantastic. 18 for 22, 292 yards, three TDs, zero picks. That guy showed he can spin it. And Nathan Carter, another really solid day. 19 carries, 111 yards for nearly six yards per rush. So, uh, John, what are your thoughts about uh, about this one? Well, I am fully convinced that um, Kim listened to our podcast. I think uh, so. I think so. I really yeah. do. I, I, okay. I specifically remember I said, I think mm-hmm. he's going to you know, just target as many receivers as he possibly can and throw it all over the field, and he did just that. That's true. Um, thank you. Way, way to go. Way to go, Noah Kim. I'm glad you you listened. I hope you're a longtime fan. Um, let us know. Shout out. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, no, he he looks fantastic, man. And like Trey Mosley, dude. I mean, mm-hmm. like he's a dude. And Carter, I, yeah. I mean, again, this is, you know, this is Richmond, but like they were just efficient, smooth. I mean, it was it was a fantastic performance offensively and, and and defensively that secondary continues to get better. They look so much better, vastly improved since last year. Yeah, I agree entirely. And, you know, Trey Mosley, five catches, 84 yards of TD. And then, like you said, he spread it out other than him. And yeah, the Sparty secondary played a lot better. Um, they've been so bad the last two years. So to see them look improved so far this year, is is good to see for sure mm-hmm. um they dominated we should give a shout out to a couple players in the sparty defense since they played so well angelo gross had seven tackles including a half sack zion young had one and a half sacks and two tackles for loss um so it was really the performance you wanted to see out of michigan state this week mm-hmm. and that's really good because next week they play number eight washington they needed this game for sure yes uh, yeah Absolutely. So that'll be exciting. I'll be excited to preview that game. That should be a heck of a matchup as well. Um, And let's move on to the next game. We had one of the more surprising results of the weekend. I think something we can all smile about. The Northwestern Wildcats 38, UTEP 7. Mm -hmm. Northwestern had 391 yards to UTEP's 319. The cats were balanced with 207 passing and 104 or 184 rushing on 4.7 yards per rush. Uh, ben Bryant was 11 for 17 for 116 yards and a TD. And Cam Porter got back on track, John. Yep. 17 carries, 90 yards, 5.3 average. He also caught a couple passes. And, you know, that was one of my keys to the game that they get Cam Porter going. I, you know, I picked Northwestern to win this game, but I didn't see a win like this, the defense was opportunistic. They gave up some yards, but they made plays when they had to, um, you know, Northwestern picked off three passes, which helped their cause immensely. Oh yeah. It was uh it was a feel good game for the cats, John. Yeah. It was a big win, man. And they, you know, they needed it and they deserved it. They, and, and it's to go into, you know, coming home after a loss against, you know, like the one against Rutgers and, you know, having UTEP being favored to win the game is like, that's just like I said, like we said in the preview, it would be a slap in the face. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So they definitely came out there and they looked like they they really wanted it from the beginning. 
you know, and that everything looked good across the board for the most part. I, I, I think like the, the passing game looked good. They really were focusing a lot on that tight end connection. And, you know, the, yep. they're, the only thing I saw a little bit is the O-line needs a, you know to improve a little bit more and protect that quarterback. But mm-hmm. overall, they were getting a lot of uh, good screen. The screen game looked fantastic. Um, Cam Porter, pff, I mean, like we said, yeah, yeah absolutely. He's, He's legit. Been, He's legit. He is. He's a great athlete. Um, the option was working well, but yeah. And, uh, but defensively that secondary woke up. They look they good. Really, they really showed out. Let's give a shout out to Xander uh, Mueller, seven tackles, a sack and an interception. Mm-hmm. They look great. Yeah, they look good. You know, they, they did have a little trouble, uh, trouble getting pressure on the QB, though. That's what right. I noticed as far as takeaway from the defense, if I have to nitpick anything. But those DBs made up for everything. All of it. Yep. Absolutely. So that was a feel-good game for the Wildcats, which is good because Northwestern visits number 21 Duke next week. It's going to so be. So that will be a big challenge. Yeah. And we'll have to see what happens there. But again, more Power 5 on Power 5 action. So that'll be exciting to watch. Absolutely. All right, next game, we have the Maryland Terrapins 38, the Charlotte 49ers 20. Total yards, Maryland 530 to Charlotte 314. Uh, Maryland had 243 yards in the ground at nearly seven yards per rush, John. Those are gaudy stats. Yeah. And Leah Tagovailoa, 25 for 36, 270 yards, one TD. He had two interceptions, including an early pick six that put Maryland behind 14 to nothing. That was what was interesting about this game, John, is that Maryland went down 14 to nothing early and had to claw their way back. Yeah, it was unexpected. I mean, I <laughs> the beginning yeah. of that game, I was like, what is going on? Right. I had no idea. Ta- Talia just looked like looked lost. The offense looked just lost. I mean, they couldn't do anything for those first few drives. Obviously, mm-hmm. they they figured it out, um, especially in the second half. Um, but even in the first but the first half, man, they stalled out and just had to settle for field goals. But yeah, opening up that second half, they adjusted, and it just took off from there. Yeah, let's talk about Roman Hemby. 20 carries, 162 yards, and a TD. He also caught four balls for 55 yards. He was the star of the day. He's a stud, dude. I mean... We don't give out a weekly award, but if we did, he'd probably be it. Maybe we should start doing... We'll talk about if we should start doing that. But if yeah. we were giving out weekly awards, he would get an award. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, his vision and his ability to break tackles, man. I mean, he runs hard. He looks great and he can do everything. He can run the ball, catch the ball. He's a solid target, man. I love him. And after giving up a touchdown drive early, you know, the defense played a lot better too. Um, give a shout out. Bo Brady had seven tackles. Well, Jay Sean Barham had four tackles and two sacks. Donald Brown had an interception. So, it was impressive fortitude to come back and totally dominate after going down 14-0 early. That mm-hmm. said, in the future, Maryland needs to avoid these slow starts because yeah. it's it's one thing to do that against the Charlotte 49ers, but in conference play, you can't spot the other team 14 points and expect to, you know, that you're going to be able to come back and win every week. Well, and traditionally what we've seen with Loxley is that that I feel like he has hard time if they don't start out fast. And, you know, right away at the beginning, they, they have a real tough time clawing their way back up. They yep. always have. So, yeah. Yeah. I totally agree. Maryland hosts Virginia on Friday night. So we'll be excited to see that game. Mm-hmm. All right. Next up, we have the Minnesota Golden Gophers 25, the Eastern Michigan Eagles 6. 
Total yards, Minnesota had 413 to Eastern Michigan's 152. Minnesota ran for 296 yards on 5.3 yards per rush. That was the improvement we wanted to see from the Minnesota running attack after an abysmal week one effort, John. What did you think? Yeah, man. I mean, you know, I think PJ did exactly what we expected him to do. He was, he said he was going to establish the run and not move away from that game plan. And he didn't, you know, he really kept it yep. going. Uh, you know, Tyler had some good, um, some good breakout, uh, breakout runs, you know, early on, but our true freshman Darius Taylor yeah. showed up. I mean, what a coming out party for this kid. Darius Taylor looks like a real one, doesn't he? He had 33 carries, 193 yards, and a TD on nearly six yards per attempt. He was... I mean, that's that's some impressive running of the football. Man, yeah, and he's a... And he bird. got better as the game went on, I thought. He did, and, and it was interesting i mean you were at the game but the announcers yep. were talking and they he they themselves were saying and i agree he had some mo ibrahim reminiscent type of runs throughout yeah he, he runs hard he was carrying the pile and he's got the vision and the patience you know and you can't teach that you either have it or you don't and mo had yep. that and darius looks like he like it's it's already there man it's it, it he i'm excited for this kid yeah, I mean Minnesota's been excited from this kid since he was a recruit. You know, he had a Mich- he had a Michigan offer among other big time offers. So he could have he's a guy who could have gone a Michigan guy who had a Michigan offer. He could have gone a lot of places, but Minnesota got him and he has really really showed out in his in his sort of debut to the world cuz he didn't really play much last week. So I think I think that I think we have our two-headed monster in Minnesota. I think it's because Sean Tyler also had 93 yards on five and a half yards per rush, so he had a decent enough night too. Yeah. Well, other than the fumbles. Yeah, there's that. That that gave me some pause. And yeah, you know, uh, that that can't I mean, be doing that. No, you never like to see that. You know, I'm still curious about Zach Evans, but you know, I I'm still not sure. PJ isn't saying much about that, which is you know typical PJ. But, you know, the first half was pretty frustrating. I'm not going to, you know, now to look at some of the the uh, the negative sides of, of this offense is that, you know, we re- Minnesota's really got to figure it out when they get into the red zone. It was really frustrating. At they time. really struggled in the red zone. Their first two possessions, they got inside the five and ended up with three points. Yeah, They went for it on fourth down and failed, and then they settled for a field goal in the other possession. So, um yeah, when you look at how many red zone possessions Minnesota squandered, you know, they should have scored 40 points, not 25. Yeah. They left at least two touchdowns on that field, if not more. And my, my issue, what I'm seeing here is, is the offensive line just still is having some issues getting that push, especially on the goal line. You could see them struggling. It's Um, true. And then when it comes to passing the ball, you know, Ethan, Ethan's great, you know, and I think he's, he's going to continue to get better, but he holds onto that ball too long. Yeah. From what I could tell. And, and it just, he give he allows things to develop a little bit too, too much. And, and if he just got rid of that ball a little bit quicker, you know, it would, you know, maybe a little bit more dink and dunk, but like we, I know we'd at least be getting a lot more first downs and I'd like to see, as always, you know, Brevin Span Ford get targeted a little bit more, even though he had a kind of a, a little 
Well, we'll a see. couple of times though, he got targeted. He he drew pass interference penalties. Yes. So he did have a big impact on the game and with his blocking and everything. I'm I'm with you. I could go for any for more targets for him too. But I think you know they were. It's not like they weren't trying to go to him. It's just yeah. that it's just that they kept interfering with him when they did. Well, I know he went. He was in the the medical tent for a while, but apparently, yeah. PJ said PJ, he's okay. Okay. Yeah. Well, it was good. It was good to see our offensive line at least get that running game going and yep. seeing our running backs step up and finally do what they were supposed to do. And then the defense, I mean, it was a Joe Rossi defense. It was that was Joe it. Rossi defense, 152 yards on the whole night in that second half. What was it? Four yards, four <laughs> yards in the whole second half. This team, and I think it's what it was six quarters. They've only allowed they've only allowed two touchdowns in six quarters. Yep. I believe it's a, it's something like that. It's, wow. it's really impressive. And you have to also, the one touchdown was that weird fluky fumble quarterback throwback touchdown. Yeah. So even so it's been a very impressive, um, it's been a very impressive unit wow. for sure. Yeah. I mean, Ba looked great. Uh, Jones yeah, two sacks for Kyler Ba. Oh yeah. Ball looks fantastic. Jones took a little bit of a step back in this game, which was a little disappointing, but I think he made up for it. Um, or he will be making up for it. He looked, he, he kind of, towards the end of the game, he got better. Um, but yeah, yeah. I mean, all in all pretty freaking great, man. Devin Williams had an interception. Yep. Oh, that was, so that was pretty solid. And, uh, Maverick Baranowski, seven, so seven tackles, including a sack. He, he's got some juice. He's got yeah. some juice to him. Yes, he with does. Cody Lindenberg, with Cody Lindenberg out, they needed someone to step up at linebacker, and Baranowski certainly has. Yeah, and he tackled we... a little better. He tackled a little better than he did last week too. Oh, absolutely. And I one last thing, and then I I'm I don't have anything. I'm done. But we need to talk about special teams. <laughs> Minnesota had good special teams. <laughs> this How is about one it. Game. They blocked a punt. They blocked a punt. I know I said something earlier about it, but like, yeah, this was like, I, I couldn't believe what I saw. <laughs> blocked punt, almost a TD, almost. Blocked punt, three for three on field goals. Kicking game went well. Um, yeah, I mean, it was a really solid special teams performance from the Gophers. Yeah. Which is not something we've been able to say very much at all over the last seven years. No. So <laughs> it was it was good to see that. That was really encouraging. Yeah. All right, with the win, the Minnesota Golden Gophers. Oh, and I want to say also, Ethan Kelly McManus was pretty, you know, he did throw that interception, which was bad, but he was 10 for 15, 117 yards. So he was fairly efficient. Um, he's just, again, got to take care of the ball. That's that's something that we've seen as sort of a theme early in the season is Big Ten QBs needing to take care of the ball. So we yep. want to see that going forward. Um, because Minnesota travels to North Carolina next week to take on Drake May and the number 20 Tar Heels. Mm -hmm. That almost lost to App State, but we'll cover more on that later. Yes, they did almost lose to Appalachian State. They got in, went, into, went into a couple overtimes, but we will get into that in the preview episode for sure. So with the win, the Minnesota Gophers moved to 2-0. and And all right, let's move on to our last game of the evening. We had the Rutgers Scarlet Knights 36, the Temple Owls 7. Total offense, Rutgers had 452 yards to Temple's 298. Rutgers ran for 254 yards on nearly 5 yards of carry. 
Um, I'd say the only thing that was, this was a pretty encouraging performance from Rutgers, but the guy who kind of took a step back was Gavin Wimsat, who went 10 for 21 for 198 yards and one TD on a decent 9.4 yards per attempt. But, um, but 10 for 21 is not very good. No, no, he didn't. He looked, he didn't look as good this week as he did last week. Um, he definitely took a little bit of a step back, but their run game made up for his mistakes. He, Oh yeah. The run game was great. Oh yeah. Manungai looked fantastic. I mean, really good. Benjamin looked great too, but Manungai really stole the show. Yeah, they did. And, uh, to the tune of 165 yards for nearly six yards of carry. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And not only just getting involved in the run game, but he, he was, he was catching balls too. And yep. it was, it was nice to see that actually. I was, I was happy to see that, that, uh, you know, which that Kirk Shiraka was actually, you know, getting the running backs involved in that passing game. And, uh, defensively though, they, they looked, uh, they really, th- this team is going to stay in games because of that defense. Absolutely. The defense was really impressive. Uh, Tyreen Powell had nine tack- tackles and Shaquan Loyal and Jordan Thompson both had interceptions. Um, yeah, this Rutgers defense is a solid unit. And I mm-hmm. agree with you that they're going to be in a lot of games late in the game this year because of that defense. And if they can get a few things, if they can figure out a couple of things offensively, mm-hmm. you know, we could be talking about a bolt. I don't want to get ahead of myself, but Rutgers has definitely shown a lot of improvement from last year so far. Well, there's a that's a you know a pretty common thing what you're going to see in which I love partly what I love about the Big Ten is just these you know it's a defensive conference pretty much first at number one and then and then you get the running game and then you know some teams more than other with the passing game but man these defenses in the Big Ten are a lot of fun to watch and former yeah. former Gopher Flip Dixon had a fantastic day. He was getting in the backfield. He was swatting passes left and right. He was all over the place. Yeah, he's a good player. Yeah. With the win, Rutgers moves to 2-0, and next week, Rutgers hosts Virginia Tech in what looks like a really winnable game. Absolutely. Yeah. Go Rutgers. For, For sure. All right. So, John, we made it through this big slate of games. Any final thoughts before we sign off? Uh, I'm looking forward to these last few non-conference games, but, you know, there's nothing like Big Ten play. So, yep. I hope everyone stays healthy and just continues to see some improvement all around. Looks good so far. Uh, well, not everybody, but we're getting there. <laughs> Not everybody, but we're learning more and teams are improving. And like we said, people, if your team isn't playing well now, this isn't, you know, these things aren't set in stone. These are 18 to 24 year old men. So yeah. they can, things can change a lot from day to day and week to week. So hold out hope if your team hasn't played well yet, you know, maybe, maybe next week's the week you get going. And conversely, for all of us whose team is playing well, we have to be worried that next week is the week when it'll all fall apart. So that is that is sort of the paradox of being a college football fan. Well, absolutely. And like we talked about, I think, in our first first podcast is is there's a lot of new faces here, man. And so you don't we're still not really sure what we're going to get with everybody. Absolutely. We are still learning. We're learning new things about all the teams every week. And that makes it really exciting. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for listening for We Live Live for Saturday. This is Mike with John. You guys have a good night. All right. Take care.